All right, good afternoon, apes. Thank you all for joining us here today on the Daily Peels live stream, your favorite live stream in the entire universe. Still a little bit under the weather here today, so I hope you're all able to bear with my nasaliness here. I'm pretty sure one of you guys poisoned me or put something in my food or did something of the sort because I have boogers streaming down my face constantly. When you have a mustache, it's extra disgusting because that just means it's boogers stash for the rest of the day. I'm going to go ahead and try to clean that stuff up, but you guys definitely wouldn't want to see what this is going to turn into by the end of the stream. All right, but you know what's going on. Enough about my own personal problems here. Let's get back to the Daily Peel live stream, everybody's favorite newsletter and content creation related to finance in the entire universe. We're coming at you live from the Daily Peel Global headquarters today with issue number 656 on this beautiful Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Thank you again for joining us. As you guys can see, I'm hanging out with my close personal friends here and the r slash uh, wall street bets waiting room guys you fun fact about this logo here for wall street bets it was actually based on me i don't know if you guys can see the resemblance here but we look pretty much identical they just wanted to get the most handsome guy in finance to be able to actually model the logo after so that's where they got it from uh, you don't have to thank me right now i can take those thanks later because for now let's go ahead and dive into the reason that we're all here today the daily peel all right so we got a lot to talk about today the census bureau dropped one of the most underrated economic reports of the cycle yesterday in the durable goods report there's a lot of good information in here and it doesn't get a whole lot of attention from mainstream media but you know we'll be covering it here at the daily peel that's why you come to us because we're staying on top of the stuff that actually matters separating the signal from the noise then cruise lines are finally profitable once again we saw a big move from norwegian cruise lines and big move from a couple of other names going in both directions of course and we'll be talking about those in just a minute then of course get ready for the reddit ipo and that's really the reason that i have this model image of myself, uh, as well as this Reddit logo behind me today. We're going to be talking about the Reddit S1, and stay tuned for our thoughts on investing in Reddit on the IPO or at the IPO date. We'll dive deep into that as well. As Reddit lets you dive into anything, so we're going to go ahead and dive into Reddit. All right, but let's go ahead and take a look at the market snapshot for the day before we get into anything too serious. As you guys can see, WSO Alpha Portfolio absolutely dominated the market yesterday, leading the indexes higher, up 60 basis points. Whereas the S&P was up a measly, pathetic little 17 basis point. The NASDAQ makes you want to throw up, rising only 37 bips. And so we are still underperforming both of those indexes on a year-to-date basis. We're just a little bit below the S&P 500. I'm sure we'll be able to absolutely smoke them in just a few minutes. But I've been doing a lot of shit talking here. But either way, once we get that WSOF portfolio up and running once again, it's going to be off to the races from there. Foxfly, what's going on, my man? Foxfly, by the way, in, in case uh, anybody else wants to know, just hit me up on LinkedIn right before this. I actually did just see that message, but I'll get back to you soon enough there, sir. But anyway, getting back to the WSO Alpha portfolio, guys. we got a lot of exciting stuff on the docket over the next week or so. We are going to be publishing our Tesla research report by about this weekend, so stay tuned for that so that you can make fun of me for how terrible my takes are and the rest of the team here over at WSO Alpha. But of course, we're also looking for ways to reallocate the immense amount of cash that we have in our portfolio. It's been good over the past, you know, couple of past year or so. It's been good protective of downsides, but we're not capturing as much upside as we would typically like to. Even though a lot of the names in our portfolio are particularly high beta, that cash brings us to a very low beta standpoint. So we kind of have a little bit of a barbell strategy going right now. And we're trying to reduce the end of the barbell that's focused on cash. Start capturing some of that more upside. We think it's going to be a stock picker's market going forward, especially with all the nonsense around interest rates going forward. We're not going to get a cut in March. We might not even get one in May. So we're no longer looking at interest rate movements as our primary uh, primary kind of driver for whatever future market sentiment is going to be. 
So we're looking to make those moves now and stay tuned because we'll be sending out a trade alert later on today, actually. So stay tuned to see what's going on with Alpha. Bitcoin absolutely ripping to the moon. I'm actually in the process of writing about it for tomorrow. So stay tuned for that and all of our thoughts on Bitcoin and Ethereum and the rest of the nonsense going on in the crypto space. Entertaining as always. But for now, let's go ahead and get into some of these banana bits. Yesterday, Bank of America came out with another one of their reports, basically estimating that about 60% of pre-pandemic quote-unquote excess savings have been burned through so far. That's actually far less than I probably would have expected. I mean, with the way that Americans like to spend money, especially on random shit that we don't need and shit to increase our waistlines, I mean, I would have expected that to be a lot lower. I would have thought we'd be burning through much more, especially with recent trends in credit card debt. But according to Bank of America, only 60% has been burned through. So moving on down to the next story of the day, Apple, they're getting out of the electric vehicle game. I don't even know if most people knew this, but Apple was quote unquote stealthily attempting to work on an electric autonomous vehicle that was supposed to be released in about 2025, which is what all the projections were looking for. Apple, they think they're going to keep in secrets, but it turns out they're actually not because everybody on earth knew that they were developing one of these cars, but they went ahead and ditched those plans yesterday. Obviously, Elon Musk took the X to celebrate because Elon and Tim Cook don't get along too well. And it seems like Elon doesn't get along with pretty much anybody in the business community, but especially not Tim Cook and not Apple. So that was pretty hysterical to see. Then, of course, we all know that Lino Miss Walking L. Khan, the chair of the FTC, has taken L after L when going after big tech. And it looks like she's gearing up to take another L here against big pharma. They've gone ahead and opened up an antitrust case with the DOJ against the United Health Group. We'll see how that goes. I think we can already tell from here. All right. And then finally, this tweet would not stop making me laugh yesterday. It's our daily dose of degeneracy because we don't have any financial fraud for us here today. But this guy, what an absolute moron. I hope to have the balls of this size someday in my life. But this guy literally went ahead and maxed out eight credit cards and poured all of the money into Bitcoin. Now, if that isn't degeneracy at its absolute finest, I really don't know what is. That is the Mona Lisa of degenerate gambling. We absolutely love to see it. Definitely check out that tweet because it really is a thing of beauty. All right, scrolling on down below, guys. Oh, actually, we actually have a good add-in here today, guys. This this company, Dub, they basically let you, like, I actually have an account with them. They let you, like, track fucking, like, Nancy Pelosi, Bill Ackman, a bunch of different stock pickers' portfolios. I went ahead and opened an account. It's actually pretty cool. Definitely uh, feel free to check that one out, guys. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the big story of the day. That, of course, is going to be in the macroeconomic sphere. And today we're talking about durable goods, a.k.a. durable bads over the past couple of weeks. That's probably the punniest joke you guys have ever heard in your entire lives. So you're welcome for that. Let's go ahead and see what's going on. So climbing Mount Everest, obviously, it's a bit of a challenge, but it's absolutely nothing compared to climbing the wall of worry in financial markets that we all did in 2023. I know I was absolutely gassed by the time that Christmas and New Year's came around because we had been climbing that wall of worry so much. So when I say climbing the wall of worry, what what are we referring to there? Let's take a step back. So 2022, the market absolutely shit the bed. It was a terrible year for everybody. We knew that everything's kind of starting to turn around from the COVID boom and starting to head for the shitter. And that's pretty much what happened in 2022. However, given that terrible performance, it kind of left a psychological stain on investors and on market participants in general. And that led us into 2023 on a really sour note. And then when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed and tried to take down the rest of the banking system with it, everybody once again shit their pants and it was like we didn't want to believe that the economy could possibly be at a good point at all in 2023. We were getting nothing but improving numbers month after month, especially on the inflation and jobs report. So it really was going well all of 2023, despite the fact that everybody was prognosticating for a recession the entire time, talking about 
oh, yield curves this and yield curve inversion that, and like all this other fucking nerdy nonsense. Well, we climbed the wall of worry the entire time and finished the year with over 24% gain. Now that we've climbed that wall, the only question is, are we at the absolute peak? When you climb Mount Everest, you know when you're at the peak, but when you're climbing the wall of worry in financial markets, you never really can know. And so that's kind of the position that we're in right now. Now, this durable goods report, this is a incredibly underrated economic report. It gives actual data instead of just some of the nonsense. Like everybody pays attention to the CPI, but my grandmother could go out and measure inflation better than the CPI report does. So honestly, don't really care about that one. Don't really like writing about it, to be honest, but it is a market mover. So we do stay focused on it. Whereas durable goods gives us a pulse of the actual economy. So for those that don't know, durable goods are essentially shit that you buy that you never want to buy again. It's your least favorite things to go out and purchase. Think things like uh, fridges, vehicles, uh, airplanes. Obviously, I bought my private jet a few months ago. Uh, it's other stuff like that, like appliances, all that different kind of stuff. And basically, what we're seeing in this report is a steep drop in new orders for durable goods. So within the report itself, there's quite a few different line items that they assess. The one that gets the most attention is the new orders reading. And so this is basically measuring new orders received by these manufacturing companies to make those durable goods. And when we're talking about durable goods, we're talking about very high ticket items. So this is, it's not staple spending and it's not necessarily discretionary either. It's kind of somewhere in the middle, but people are only going to buy this when they want, have a lot of cash that they can throw at this or two have easy access to credit. So seeing this dip a little bit, it does have to do with the rate story as well as what Bank of America mentioned earlier in burning through excess savings. But the scary part is this was a 6.1% decrease in new orders for durable goods. And guys, that is the largest decrease in this metric since that dreaded month of April 2020, when everybody's lives changed for the worst and we all got locked inside and actually had to look our family members in the eye. I remember it was absolutely horrific to find out what my dad's face actually looks like. Jesus Christ, I didn't realize he was that ugly. But either way, this is basically what we're dealing with now. It was the largest drop in new orders since April of 2020. Definitely not some good stuff. And if we dive deeper into the report, we see that shipments of these durable goods were down. And worst of all, inventories were up at the same time. When inventories are rising and new orders and shipments are falling, that means that uh, not only are these companies not ordering new shit, but the orders that were already placed don't actually carry the demand that we thought that they did. And that's why we're seeing inventories levels rise because the demand that thought it was going to be there isn't actually there. So seeing that widening spread between new orders and inventory balances, it's kind of the worst case scenario. That's exactly what we saw. We also did see a staunch decrease in capital goods, which is when manufacturers buy shit to do manufacturing with from other manufacturers. That didn't make any sense at all, but I hope you guys were able to keep up. We saw a staunch 15.4% decline in that reading as well. So what's the takeaway? What does this mean? At the end of the day, it is one data piece or one data report. So it's not going to give us the full story, but guys, this is certainly not a good sign. The other thing is when new orders are falling and inventories are rising, it is typically seen as a lagging indicator as well. So the only silver lining we could really think of is maybe this is reflective of December and January timeframe. It is not going to carry true going forward. We have to wait another month to get this report again, but that is personally what I'm on the edge of my seat to receive that in the uh, PCE report that we're actually supposed to be getting tomorrow, I believe, tomorrow and Friday, we should be getting the February PCE report. But after that, I'm going to be sitting on my hands waiting for durable goods before actually uh, changing up my view on the macroeconomy here. Let me know if that made sense or if I can uh, clear anything up for you guys in the live stream. Shout out to everybody listening on later. Let's go ahead and move up into the what's ripe section. Like we said on the top, cruise lines, they are looking juicy this year. I mean, Norwegian cruise lines up almost 20% on the day yesterday. 
That hasn't happened probably since this thing IPO'd. But they did register their first annual profit since 2019. They did have losses again in Q4, and the annual profit was only $166 million, which is a tiny margin compared to $8.6 billion in sales, but still it held a lot better than setting $2 billion on fire like they did in 2022. Passenger count actually did remain slightly lower, but they were able to fleece the elderly citizens that go on cruises of 17% more of their money. I mean, these old people, I don't blame them for wanting to get away from their families for months at a time by going on a cruise, but trapping yourself in a box floating in the ocean doesn't seem like it's great on the elderly heart. What happens if you fall over and need a hip replacement? Is the chef going to get to do that? Who knows? Hopefully nobody ever has to find out. Let's go ahead and take a look at Zoom video, another pandemic. Well, I guess the opposite of Norwegian because Zoom blew up during the pandemic. Well, uh, Norwegian actually imploded. I mean, the only thing that could have happened worse for Norwegian was if one of those ships actually did blow up. Zoom's stock, thankfully, did blow up during the pandemic. And now ever since 2020-2021 timeframe, they've been blessed with one of the biggest gifts that somebody can give you, the gift that my parents have given to me for my entire life, and that is extremely low expectations. It's always good to have low expectations when you're not actually delivering anything like myself. But Zoom, they actually did deliver something here. The only thing was the Zoom AI product, the thing that takes like these little notes and I guess sends you like an email summary after the meeting or something. That thing, uh, you know, Zoom is leaning on it hard trying to get people to, you know, see that and get in on the AI play so that they can get that run up in stock price that things like SMCI and SoundHound are starting to receive. Zoom wants to get in on that action too, but the market is kind of looking Zoom up and down and saying, we know you're not really an AI company, but Zoom is still pretending like it is. Either way, they still had a strong Q4. Beat sales and EPS estimates, they earned a buck 22 a share on 1.15 billion in revenue. Those were both barely above estimates, but they had solid guidance too. Uh, so it was really, Zoom has looked like it's in the best position that it's been since COVID showed up. This company loves pandemics almost as much as Moderna does, but still it's looking good at going forward. All right, now let's get into some pieces of shit stocks for the day. So we do have Unity Software here. So Unity went ahead and stuck the middle finger up to its shareholders by reporting a fat loss, weak guidance, basically everything terrible about an earnings report, Unity went ahead and did. There's a big glitch in the quarter for this video game maker, allegedly. They did see a deferred revenue boost in the last quarter, which my, you know, I definitely, anybody who went to college with me knows that I was far from the best person at accounting. But if we take a look at that deferred revenue boost and the revenue recognition policies, it's a little bit questionable on that boost. Sales came in at 609 million, beating the 596 million expected. But if we take away that deferred revenue boost, they did underwhelm. Then if we go ahead and look forward, they're expecting a fat drop off in the coming quarter of 417.5 million well below the 534 million that was expected by the street absolute garbage for unity software all right let me go ahead and take a look at car gurus guys this thing is like a facebook marketplace for used vehicles and as a general rule of thumb you know whether it's a person company anyone or anything that tries to call themselves a guru that should be about as much of a red flag as going on first date with somebody and they get a call from their ex mid-conversation it should be that much of a red flag and if investors share that same point of view, they would have missed this 1.6% drop yesterday. So basically, they didn't have a particularly good quarter, but the real problem came in expectations going forward. All the guidance covers provided was below the expectations of the market. Ongoing supply chain challenges are still kind of driving demand towards used car retailers like car gurus, so investors might have been expecting a little bit more from them. Unfortunately, that is not what they got. All right, finally, our main story of the day and the reason that I have my modeling background here behind me Let's go ahead and dive into Reddit. Guys, in the past week or so, Reddit filed its S1 report. 
which is basically a registration statement that's called for the Securities and Exchange Commission. This is something that any company that wants to sell shares to the public has to file. They basically come out here and say, hey, this is our business. This is what we're doing. This is how much we're going to sell to the public. That's basically what they do. And obviously, Reddit had to dump a you know several hundred page report for it. Obviously, nobody in their right mind is going to go through and read that entire thing. I read a good bit of it yesterday so that you guys don't have to. And to give you the full rundown here, Reddit is the company. They used to brand themselves as the front page of the internet. Now they brand themselves as dive into anything. Personally, I like the front page of the internet a little bit better. But dive into anything made it much punnier for us to use that uh, as our headline of the day for. So just hit some high-level stats. Reddit has 73 million unique daily users, 267 million unique weekly users, and over 100,000 active communities with more than 1 billion cumulative posts from those communities. They generated 804 million in top-line revenue in 2023, a solid 21% jump from 2022. Reddit does boast being the third most trafficked website in the United States and the 16th most trafficked in the entire world. Obviously, there's a bunch of other porn sites on there too, but Reddit is kind of low-key a porn site itself, so I guess they kind of get that boost anyway. Either way, they boast an ARPU of $3.52 as well, beating that of things like Snapchat, Pinterest, and other shitty social medias, but more than 10 times below what something like a Facebook or an Instagram will get. All right, so we saw that jump in revenue, but basically, guys, this company, it's a social media company. They run advertisements. They host forums at WSO. You know, we might know a thing or two about the forum business, uh, and so growth of the foreign business is a tough thing outside of advertising, but Reddit looks like it has some ideas on the plate. So first and foremost, it's data API access and AI model trading. So this is basically licensing out Reddit's unique database to large language models and other artificial intelligence systems to train on the user-generated content that's posted on Reddit. That makes this one of the most valuable resources in terms of LLM building because no other website in the world has access to Reddit's content. That's all within their own you know, intellectual property or Within their quote-unquote possession, it is still technically, of course, owned by the users, but simply by posting it on the Reddit website, they do give Reddit permission to pretty much do whatever they want with it. That's part of the terms and conditions. And because they have exclusive access to all of this data in a multimodal sense, I mean, Reddit is primarily text-based, but you are able to post images and videos. So outside of YouTube, outside of things like YouTube and Quora, this is one of the most valuable databases for AI model and large language model training. Uh, so they can probably make an absolute bag off of licensing this stuff. And then the rest of, you know, the, the future user economy stuff down the line, that sounds a lot like what, uh, what a lot of these crypto projects were allegedly saying that they were going to be able to do going forward. So we're a little bit skeptical on that front. But in terms of the AI model training, I mean, Reddit is absolutely going to make a bag off of that. That's where the truly exciting part comes in. Another unique factor of Reddit is that it really is the anti-social social media app. So a lot of their users don't actually use the other social media sites in the United States. So this chart, it's absolutely impossible to read. I spent most of my day yesterday just trying to interpret this thing. But basically what they're saying here is that 41%, like to use TikTok as an example, 41% of Reddit users do not use TikTok. That's what this is saying. 32% of Facebook users do not, uh, or 32% of Reddit users do not use Facebook, aka our intelligent people. And this is kind of what this means for all of these uh, different metrics right here related to that social site. So not only do they have kind of proprietary exclusive access to this data, but they're getting data that can't be found on other sites because their users aren't on other sites. Plus, the people who are on Reddit, like I said, their anti-social social media app, these people actually tend to have brains. So they kind of have something smart to say. It's a lot of engineers, a lot of IT guys who want to speak to other people who actually have brains and Obviously, that is severely lacking on places like Instagram X and TikTok. 
So it's a great place to go to actually find uh, some information right there. Obviously, Wall Street Bets is one of the biggest, one of the best uh, financial or investing education platforms in the entire world. It's probably why they modeled their their image here after myself. So uh, it, it's looking good for Reddit coming out. Now, why do we care? Why are we talking about this? Well, in addition to this just being a really interesting case, it's also the first social media IPO since 2019 with Pinterest. It'll be interesting to see how the market assesses its value. Plus, we were talking last week about how the IPO market is just about as thought as Mitch McConnell's brain. And so that was, this could be exactly what we need to kind of reheat the IPO market and start to get a lot of action back in that sense. That'll be great for deal volumes and the private and venture capital space as well. Might actually open up some jobs for some of you apes that are looking to break into the industry after graduation. But that's kind of the, the biggest reasons for this. At a $5 billion target valuation, quite honestly, I'm probably a buyer in that. I mean, I would love to be able to get actual IPO shares allocated to me. Now, they, it's unfortunate that I'm too poor, fat, and disgusting to be allocated IPO shares like an accredited investor is. But, you know, it would be nice because at a $5 billion target valuation, you're the third most trafficked website in the United States. That sounds pretty sweet to me. I mean, just off, off the top of my head. But once again, it is forums and selling advertisement. Very cyclical. I mean, you're kind of at the willingness of these uh, chief marketing officers and other, you know, people that graduated with degrees in communications and other bullshit. You're kind of at their, at their whim, uh, if you will. But going forward, we're, we're basically just wondering, what kind of impact this future monetization strategies has on Reddit on both the top line and the bottom line, because licensing this data, you know, it's likely going to be a higher margin business than selling ads is, but you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how it changes the margin profile of Reddit as well. Is $5 billion an appropriate valuation? I mean, are you guys buying? Are you selling at this price target? Let me know. Also, what are your favorite subreddits? Personally, I got to say one of my favorites is explain it to me like I'm five. Now, ChatGPT has kind of taken that over from Reddit in my personal life, but it's a great way to learn about shit and get it explained to you in, you know, like you're uh, like the idiot that you are, basically, or like the idiot that I am. Do want to, before I let you guys go, I want to issue a correction here as well. We did mention that Sam Altman owns a certain amount. So right here, we said after Sam Altman, who indirectly owns 4.5% of the firm, I'm going to go ahead over to the actual S1 document itself and explain why I'm an idiot and wrote this incorrectly for us. So we can see this is the most boring looking document of all time. But if I go ahead and scroll all the way down to page, I believe it was 193. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was 193. So if we go all the way down, yes, we can see the table of shareholders and people who are selling shares. So this is the, basically a summary of beneficial owners as they currently exist. We see people like Stephen Hoffman, who's kind of the primary founder. And if we scroll down here, we can see this little line, entities affiliated with Sam Altman. So that's what we're talking about here. Sam Altman was connected to Reddit when he was the CEO of Y Combinator because one of the founders of Reddit, Alexis Opanian, he came out of Y Combinator as well. So they kind of had that relationship there. This is the line item that I saw. But as you guys can see, this 4.5% related to Sam Altman is only Class A allocation. If we scroll over to Class B, we see as 9.3%. So this is really the chart that we should be looking at. So this line item shows the total ownership of Sam Altman or entities affiliated with Sam Altman in Reddit. If we go ahead and take a look, we see that he owns 8.7% of the total float outstanding. And that translates to about 9.2% of the total voting power. He's one of the smartest guys in the world, especially when it comes to AI. He's getting in on this. So maybe that should tell us something about that. And then if I go ahead and go over, this is another report that our crackpot team of producers put on my, uh, put on my sites. I know we're going long today too. Jesus Christ, we're almost at 25 minutes. But this is another report that our producers put on my radar here. 
Guys, it looks like Stripe just got a $65 billion valuation. That might sound like a lot, but if I scroll down into this Wall Street Journal article, I don't think this is copyright or plagiarism, but it's below the $95 billion valuation received in 2021. Might sound like a lot, but definitely isn't a lot compared to history. We'll see what happens there. Also, let me know if I should buy any of these shoes over here. These are kind of sick looking. But anyway, guys, I'm going to stop wasting your time here because we have gone so long today. Oh, Margin Mag, dude, thank you so much. What a nice guy. What a, what a nice thing to say. That'll keep me from crying myself to sleep for at least one night, but I'm sure I'll be back at it tomorrow. Either way, guys, thank you for sticking with us through this very long live stream here today. My producers are probably going to kill me for going on for 25 minutes here. But either way, we had a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I know I had a ton of fun along the way. Hope you guys did too. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. We'll try to be back to our usually scheduled time at about 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, but right now it is 2.21, 2.22 p.m. I actually just changed once again on this beautiful Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Thank you guys for joining us once again. Happy trading, happy investing. And we'll see you all soon. Stay tuned for the Tesla report. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time. Thank you.